commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Kencray. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampiliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apellus, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Amen. Thanks so much, Leona. And uh, Leona has just learned why the pastors get others to read the scriptures. <laughs> what Leona doesn't know is that um, we just put that passage in for fun. We're not actually covering that this morning. <laughs> Not true, not true. But as we move through this, uh, I'd like you to keep in mind what you have just read. Was that mine? He's wow. <laughs> I, I didn't get mine. <laughs> How cool is this? Like in the middle of a message. Ah, I've got no idea what I've got here, but um, we'll see. Actually, I've got my latte. That's pretty good. <laughs> Anyone like to place an order? Well, uh, Kim, I'd like a filet mignon, wilted greens, champagne mash, honeyed carrots, please. Yeah, finish with the cream brulee. <laughs> what am I here for? <laughs> oh, yes, this, this stuff, yeah. So, <laughs> as we move through this today, what I'd like you to keep in mind is what has actually been read, because this pretty significant to uh, what we're talking about. And I'm not going to make a fool of myself and try and say half those names. So um, just keep that in mind. But this is our last week of our series on the one and others. And as I've said, there's only 20 odd uh, of the sayings that are actually there. And uh, there's a heap more in scripture. And I hope that uh, this series has been beneficial as we've moved through it so that you have been challenged uh, to consider how to make these commands uh, the vast majority of them about unity in the church, how you can adapt them to your life, how you can uh, obey them 
and make them a reality for you. They're something that we should all be striving to obey and submit to and live out in our lives. And today we're going to be looking at how we should greet one another. So let's pause and pray. Father God, I thank you so much that we can be in this place at this time. I thank you, Lord, for coffee. And Lord, I just ask that you'll be present with us this morning. I ask that the word that is proclaimed now will be a word that challenges people, drawing people closer to you. That, Father, we will be transformed as a result of it and that we'll have a desire to know you more and more. And I just pray this now, Father, in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. If you're visiting with us this morning or you haven't been here many times at all, I'm going to invite you to stand very soon so that those who are regular members of our church can greet you with a holy kiss. <laughs> That's what scripture says, guys. So for those of you who are new or relatively new here, what are you thinking? Are you eyeing for the closest exit? Are uh, you sinking down in your seats and hoping no one will approach you? It's like, no, no, I've been here 10 years, 10 years, not me. The fact is, that's a little awkward, isn't it? And, and we wouldn't actually do that unless you're Pastor Darrell. I'm not t- telling tales out of school. He loves the holy kiss. But culturally... When this was written, that's how people greeted each other. They, they kissed each other. And we don't do that. And everyone here today would refrain from doing such a thing. I mean, sure, you've got your very close, intimate friends that you may kiss on the cheek. But generally speaking, we don't greet people like that. But there must be relevance in this passage for us today. There must be something that is calling us to do, even though we don't do that holy kiss. And I believe one of the things, first and foremost, that it's telling us is that we should greet one another equally. And we know that there are many passages of Scripture that speak about not showing favouritism in how we treat one another and how we should treat each other equally. And so one of those is Galatians 3, 27 to 28. And it says here that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And uh, James 2, 8 and 9, uh, the last section in verse 9 says, But if you show partiality, favoritism, you are committing sin and have convicted and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And so we can clearly see from these two passages that there is a call for us to not show that favouritism or partiality uh, to anyone. And, And so we should be treating each other equally. But I believe the passage that we've read, this Romans passage, always says this also says the same thing. But what it demonstrates is a living out of of this command, uh, particularly when it speaks about Paul and the church. So if we go back to what we read from uh, Romans 16, we begin with Phoebe. Now, Phoebe was entrusted by Paul to take this incredible letter to the Roman church. It's it's not a light responsibility that she's been given. And so she is called a servant, which in the original is uh, diakonos, or in the English we just translate that as deacon. And uh, it's used in reference to one who is a waiter, an attendant, or specifically a Christian teacher or pastor. I'm not going to get into that right now, but there's a whole interesting circle around that as well. But... That's what that word means. And so that is who Phoebe is. And then we have Priscilla and Aquila. And Priscilla and Aquila were Paul's fellow workers, but they were also 
tent makers. We also have this guy called Erastus in verse 23, and he's the city treasurer. We have this guy called Rufus in verse 13, who is believed to be the son of Simon of Cyrene, Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross for Christ when Christ couldn't carry it himself. Uh, He was too weak to do so. We have Tertius, who is the physical writer of this letter. He's the one who listened to the dictation of Paul and made sure that he actually recorded it. But what we don't realise is highly likely that he was a slave or a freed man, a guy who was a slave and had since been freed. There's also this guy called Quartus, who is also a slave. He's mentioned in verse 23. And then we have those announcements of certain people and their household. Who's in the household? More slaves. And so we have Paul greeting all these people. And I want you to think about those two men alone, about Tertius and Quartus, uh, slaves apart from Christ. But when they came to Christ, they were united. You know what their names mean? Third and fourth. (laughs) Crazy, hey? They were slaves. And now Tertius is recording accurately these incredible words. And we'll remember him. And everyone remembers him who reads these words because it's recorded there. And Quartus is no longer disregarded or mistreated. He is not outcast. Paul calls him his brother. Could you imagine what that would do for those two men? Just how uplifting and encouraging it would be? And so this church in Rome and Paul's circle of trusted friends includes the wealthy, those in highly respected positions, slaves, freedmen, women, and all of those names flow freely from his mouth. He doesn't hesitate. He's not embarrassed. To him, they're all equal. They're his brothers and sisters in Christ. And he treats them equally because that's exactly how he sees them. The world today challenges us in a different way. It calls us to define roles and things like that. And we focus on what separates us, that which divides us, and we allow it to. But that's not God's way. When we say we are in Christ, we are one in Christ, we are united in him, and he calls for the church to be united as well. And so Paul repeats this phrase, in the Lord, or something similar like in Christ Jesus or in Christ, 11 times in this passage. It's hugely significant in his writing. And it would seem that uh, the general feel of what Paul is saying is a reference back to Romans 8.1 where he says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your past isn't going to affect your standing within the church community. And when he finishes that chapter in Romans 8, 38 and 39, he says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus We are all equally loved. And so when we look at this, understanding that nothing can separate us, and those in the Roman church, nothing can separate them from the love of God. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or poor. It doesn't matter if you're a slave or free. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter the situation of your past. It doesn't matter what you have done. You're offered eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And not only eternal life, there's this whole swag of blessings that comes with that if you will simply accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. The gospel we received is a gospel that doesn't discriminate ever, not once. And so those who say they believe that gospel should likewise not discriminate and greet everyone equally. And this is part of the reason I believe that we should do so affectionately. It seems that... um, I have to address the elephant in the room. It was much more difficult when Pastor Darrell was here. But greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. And of course, we're not going to do this. We've already said that it's not the cultural norm for us. But we can't ignore that there's an intent here. There's something that's being said that has to apply for us. There has to be a form of greeting um, that we participate in, which doesn't involve that kissing, but the function and intention should remain the same. And it must be important, this holy kiss, because Paul mentions it four times throughout his writings. And Paul is writing to the church, he's writing to believers, and he's telling us to greet each other with a holy kiss. And culturally, this is a genuine, warm welcome. So the Greek word... Um, for holy, sorry, for the greet here is um, to enfold in the arms, to salute figuratively, to welcome, embrace, to greet. And uh, the kiss is uh, a word where the root word is filio, that type of love. And and, uh, it means to be a friend to another, to be fond of an individual, to show genuine affection for them. And and so if we look at those two words in context, what is it calling us to do and how can we do it? And and in my opinion, this is it can only happen when we know each other, when we uh, build bridges of friendship and begin to genuinely care for each other, where we want the best for the other person. It's no longer about us. We want to see you grow in Christ and you doing all you can be for him. And this occurs as we strive towards unity, the unity that God calls us to have as a church. And you know, as we strive towards that, you'll find some genuine mates. And I say this again and again, and I still don't think it's offensive. There's some freaks amongst us. I'm possibly one of them. But that's okay. There'll be people who like me, and that's okay. They may not like you. There's people who will like you that don't like me. That's actually okay. And you think about Jesus and I know he's not like me. He's so, so, so far much better. <coughs> But Jesus had an inner circle of friends too. He had an inner circle of people that he trusted deeply. And so we, as a leadership team, want to encourage you in prayer triplets. We want to encourage you in connect groups. We want to encourage you to get into those groups where there's much more intimacy than what you will actually get here on a Sunday morning. When we come here on a Sunday, we have over 500 people physically present on this location. Can you possibly know all of them? No way. If any of you ever know everyone's name, I think that's incredible. But even if you do, you can't possibly know those people intimately. It just is not going to happen. So in those smaller groups, connect groups, lace ministry, making men's men's ministry, youth, young adults, craft, and heaps and heaps of other groups as well, when we spend time together there, that's where we look out for each other. That's where we genuinely care, begin to care for each other. That's where we spend more intimate time together studying God's word, building each other up in the faith, encouraging each other, 
to walk ever closer to our Lord and Saviour. And it's in those groups when we see people living for Jesus that we can encourage them so much more and we value that Christian relationship, that connection. And when we value that, when we see someone who doesn't have that connection, our desire should be to draw them into it, to encourage them to be involved in a community where they can be raised up, where they can see greater unity, where they can be loved and cared for. When we think about Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth, he was known for reaching out to the poor. He was known to reach out to the sick, the outcast. And we know all those accounts of scripture where Jesus touched the untouchable, where he met with and shared meals with people who were considered great sinners, tax collectors, where he restored the dignity of people caught in sin. And if we are the church, if we are the body of Christ here on earth, if we are his bride, aren't we called to do the same? I believe in our context, it's a call to walk across the room. It's a call to be aware even when we have big morning teas, that there's people who stand on their own. And the call is for us to want to include them, to walk across as awkward as that may be for you and to introduce yourself and include them and encourage them. And I'm sure if you were to think about your own life, there's many times when you could testify to just how wonderful it was to have a friendly face in a difficult situation. You may not have known that person at the time, but simply them being there was a great encouragement to you. I remember when I first moved down from Gladstone, I had my first four-wheel drive, an Isuzu MU with 3.1 turbo diesel, and I was pulling a very heavy trailer, and uh, I reversed it up this very steep driveway. We were living in Budrum. The driveway was like that, no exaggeration. Um, and three-quarters of the way up, the trailer became unhitched and it drove under the um, four-wheel drive with such force that actually lifted the vehicle and got locked under it. How do you get out of that? And I was in a town on You Know One. I phoned the church. I said, I don't know if you can help me, but I'm about to attend your church, and this is what's happened. And this guy turns up. His name's John Hobbs. And uh, <laughs> he goes, yeah, mate, this is what we'll do. And he got it out. And just having that guy present in a desperate situation was just such an incredible blessing for me. Uh, mind you, it wasn't a five-minute job. It took a bit longer than that. But he got it out. And, and that, in my opinion, was a miracle because that thing, I don't know, was possibly two or three tonne all up. And uh, it was just amazing to have that friendly face there um, just encouraging me and uh, being a part of that. So the question is, if we are a community of believers, how much more friendly and welcoming should we actually be to outsiders? We have the ability to draw them into the kingdom of God. And we should have a desire to see people come into the kingdom. We should have a desire that not one be lost. That was Jesus' desire for all. And so we greet each other with a holy kiss. You can't kiss someone from across the room, hey? It's a bit hard. It's an intimate thing. I can stand here and go, hey, Macy and Clement, how you doing? 
And their only response can be to wave back to because that's as intimate as it gets. We have to walk across the room. We have to stand before them. We have to be with them. We have to hear them. We have to be present in that moment. And that's when true communication happens. That's when genuine care can be shown. It's an intimate contact, a willingness to be present with them and to show genuine care. And that leads us into the final point. When we greet one another, we should do so genuinely. It's interesting to think about what Paul says here. Paul says it's not just a kiss, it's a holy kiss. So what's that all about? And when we look at this passage of Scripture, when we talk about things being holy, we mean it's sacred, we mean it's set apart, it's pure, it's undefiled by sin or corruption. It is something that God can use for his glory. And so our holy kiss or our greeting should be something of the same. There's no agenda other than to show God's grace and love. That's it. Our greetings to one another must be a greeting in the Lord. And as such, they are expressions of the unity we have because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. And that is the only reason we call, brothers, call each other brothers and sisters. That's the only reason we're here this morning. If I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't know any of you guys, I think. I'd have no reason to spend time with you and vice versa. You'd have no reason to sit before me and hear me bump my gums. You may go to one of my auctions or something if I was still doing that, but uh, technically speaking, you would never know me. And isn't that the reason we gather? Isn't that the reason for the hope that we have? Isn't it the reason why we gather and meet in this place on a regular basis? The hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, the hope we have for eternity. It's the very heart of what Paul is writing. Remember, he writes over and over again things like in Christ, in this passage, he's written it 11 times. And our greeting to one another is one that is given because we're united in our purpose in living for him. We are in Christ, that's it. Think of all the people Paul greeted in this passage we've read this morning. They'd serve God in different ways. Some were risking their lives, some were writing texts, some were serving others, some were hosting. None were elevated above others. All had a role in the church to play and all were equally valued. It's again an outworking of scripture. Think about 1 Corinthians 12 where it speaks about the body, the church, Christ's bride and how they're all different parts and all are knitted together so the whole, the one can operate the way it was intended to be. Many spiritual gifts, one spirit. And yeah, we've all got different roles and functions but everything we have is designed so that we can build up the church of SDBC right at this moment. That's why you're here, folks. And each of you have a part to play in that. It may be a minor part, it may be a major part. And the question is, do we truly appreciate the diversity of the people that we have here? Are we genuinely thankful for the many ways that people serve? And we see people on stage. We had an absolute disaster this morning, the morning service. Um, our worship team got up here and uh, we, we didn't have online audio, so we're trying to fix that. And in trying to fix that, the guys on stage lost their inner ears, so they didn't know what they were singing or whether the band was playing or whatever. And we got all that going. So these guys up the back, they were just running like crazy to make that happen. And the church was oblivious. No idea. And do we, are we thankful for the guys up the back and what they do? When you, when you, hmm. That's good, thank you, thank you. 
when we walk into church, I mean, who has seen the lawn three foot long in this place? I don't think I ever have. Even the worst days, you know, I've come in, the lawn's been this long. It's like, oh, gee, the lawn's getting long. Well, we've got this whole team of people who maintain the gardens and the lawns in this place and do an incredible job doing so. I've got a few people I'm incredibly thankful for. Um, they empty the bins. I, 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 tell you, I am very, very thankful for the guys and girls who empty the bins because otherwise I might have to do it and if I had to do it, I would do it when I finally got to that point where it's like, what is that smell? Not good, eh? You've all been there. But we've got people who serve us just like that and we should value them, we should thank them and, and it's not to thank them for... Um, doing this job is to thank them for serving God in this place in that way, that God is using them in a way that impacts all of us, that God is doing great and mighty things through them, even emptying bins, mowing lawns. We should be thankful. Praise God that we're not all the same. I would be terrified if I was looking out at a whole host of Charlies. <laughs> yeah, Donna's had to look at me a few times. That's why she's laughing. She knows how terrible that would be. Each and every one of us have been placed here for a reason. Amen. God's called you here and you should use your gifts, talents and abilities for his glory. So let's be those who greet one another with a genuine desire to encourage each other, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to be all they can be for Jesus right here, right now at SDBC. And it's truly amazing what a word of encouragement can do. Some people have been ready to give up ministry then receive that one word of encouragement. And it's enough to keep them going. I can really see God using you in this place. I really see the Lord blessing what you're doing. Thank you. I know it's hard. Thank you. So today, we celebrate the work, the ministry, the impact SDBC has had for 65 years. That's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. 65 years. Uh, I think it's something worth celebrating. I've been here five years, seven months and 25 days. In that time, there's been a lot of changes. Uh, it hasn't always been easy. Sorry? Yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> there's been many, many changes here at SDBC in the time I've been here. And I've got to say, overall, I am greatly encouraged. Greatly encouraged. Yeah, what the hell. First members meeting I came to in this church, my wife and I sat row three from the back. We had eight people apologise to us for having to be part of that meeting. It was a doozy. I, I've never seen anything like it in a church. There, I was gobsmacked at some of the stuff that was said. Who came to the last members meeting? Yeah? And the one before that, and the one before that, and the one before that. And all of those meetings, people were like, wasn't that just a pleasure? Wasn't that a lovely meeting? Wasn't that a great encouragement? That's what a church meeting should be. And that's what we've got. God has done a great and mighty work here at SDBC. And he's continuing to work. He's bringing greater unity amongst us. He's drawing us closer to each other. And I'm just so excited about what he's going to do in the next period of time with us. But guys, it's all up to you. We need to love and appreciate each other so much more. And we're surrounded by a group of people who love to serve at SDBC. Some of them are finding it hard. Your word of encouragement could be enough to just encourage them to keep going. You know, you guys walk in here, in your context, in your case, 10.35, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.40, 10.
10.30 the service starts. Have you thought about the fact that the guys on stage, guys up the back have been here since 7am and they do the service all over again for you? Uh, people were here yesterday cleaning the auditorium and laying these seats out. Do we appreciate those guys? There's people who pray interceding for this church and I say a handful because it is only a handful. Do you appreciate those people? And are we truly thankful for them? We could go on about those types of things for ages, but uh, wouldn't it be great today if you decided before you left that you're going to thank someone, someone whose service in the Lord has had an impact upon you. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, you know, winning a thousand souls for the Lord. Praise God if that did happen, but it doesn't have to be something like that. It might be a very simple, trivial thing that they do, which you just find a great blessing. Wouldn't it be great if you thanked them today? It doesn't have to be someone from this church either. It might be someone who has been a spiritual witness for you and you just contact them and say, hey, I just want to thank you for what the Lord has done in, through and around you. It's just been such a blessing to me and my family. Can I encourage you to do that? But let's not make it a one-off. We've got a very bad habit of doing that as Christians. Done that, Pastor Charlie. What's next? Let's make this a habit. Let's catch people doing good things for God. And let's thank them. Let's say God is doing a great thing with you. Greet one another equally. Greet one another affectionately. Greet one another genuinely. Let me pray. Father God, I want to thank you for these people who are gathered here. I want to thank you that they love you, Lord, but I pray they'll love you more. You are so worthy of us. You are so worthy of our time. You are so worthy of our gifts, talents and abilities. Lord, will you take us and use us for your glory and purposes? Father, will you hound us about this message today and will you drive us to greet one another as we've talked about this morning and that our desire will be to build each other up in the faith, Lord, strengthening each other to walk ever closer to you, that we may know greater unity and greater love here at SDBC and then as the world looks on they will see that love and they'll have a desire to know you father please go with us before us bless us and keep us this week and let us come back next week ready to celebrate the incredible things you've done in Jesus name Amen. God bless one and all. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's been great. If you want prayer, please come down the front and sit in this seat. I will make sure I pray for you. Uh, but greet someone. Say good day. Thank them. God bless.